Hello and welcome to the 166th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, show initially focused on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Mantis Burn Racing by Vufu Studios. Sean and Sean. <laughs> Who are oh, you? Who are you? And what do you do? Um, my name's Sean Reed, S-H-A-U-N. Uh, I'm creative director at Vufu. I come up with the silly ideas, I guess. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm Sean, S-E-A-N. Um, I'm marketing and PR manager here at Vufu Studio, so I try and give our game some... I sell the silly ideas. I sell the silly ideas, yeah, which is obviously very difficult, but... Um, some of them are good, and we managed to uh, managed to sell them. So yes, uh, I look after the marketing and PR and everything else um, community related for for Vufu Studios. Excellent. I think I met you both personally um, at various uh, events. Various events. Yeah, um, I think we have. We, we get around. <laughs> and uh, you've answered the first question, so well done, well done. Um, next question: How did you make your start making video games? That's the first short. With you, and so yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting story actually. Um, I used to be an electrician, and uh, for about eight years, and that wasn't going anywhere. And I basically I, I played games since I was a little boy, since Pong and on my grandstand console. And I grew up in the same village as Rare, um, set up originally Ashby de la Zouche. and so I always knew that these. Miraculous games were being made. It was above a post office on Ashby Zouche High Street. And so Rare got bigger and bigger and bigger, and they were just doing an article in Edge um, just before the release of GoldenEye. They were asking a guy called Martin Hollis um, how he got into the industry, and he said, we're not look- necessarily looking for experience. We just want people with a passion in games. And my wife told me to apply, and I said, what for? And I thought, well, I'll sweep the floors or make the coffee or anything. Uh, they actually gave me a job as a tester. Um, I did that for 11 months, and then, because I showed an interest in game design, they took me on as a junior designer on a project that was called Dinosaur Planet at the time that eventually became Star Fox Adventures. And I was there for 18 years, so... Wow. Okay, so you you saw some real epochs during that period then of various hardwares and that coming and going. What did you make of uh, Rare Replay? Was that something you were involved with? or? No, I'd left by then. It's got some of my games on it. Um, yeah, to, to be fair, I've not played it. Um, but, yeah, if, obviously, if it's like the original games, then I'm sure it's very good. Hmm. Okay. And it's been you've been designing. That's been that's your your thing. Is it been designing your way through? That's your main sort of raison d'etre. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I, I like I say, I started off as a junior designer, then became senior designer at Rare, and then I was made um, design director. Um, now, yeah, create. They're, they're all different titles for the same thing, really. I suppose. <laughs> just yeah. Coming up with silly ideas and getting really clever people to make them real. And over the years, have you found that 
a lot of the stuff you developed has has been great for something, but not necessarily for the game you're making. So the ideas I come up with, sorry. I'm just thinking that there's a common sort of thread I find is that the creative process is actually quite destructive in that you come up with these ideas and concepts and then they don't fall, bear fruit because while they're great, they don't actually fit the game's sort of theme or overall. Have you found that or is it a bit simplistic? Um, to say? Yeah, uh, every designer will tell you that half their ideas end up on the cutting room floor if not three quarters. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess if you have a good idea and it doesn't quite fit the game you're working on at the time, just store it somewhere on your desktop and uh, I'm sure it'll come in at some point. So, yeah. Um, no, I suppose when you're working on a particular game, you kind of get in the zone. So um, you, you generally, your ideas are going in the right direction, I suppose. But um, yeah, you can drift start thinking about what's next and what's after that. So. That is the creative mind. What about you, Sean? How did you get started? The other Sean with, the, with an A. <laughs> how did, I've, uh, got, did, I've got an A in mine. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> I've got an e, with an E. Oh. There you go. With an E that works. We, we couldn't afford an E. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I've, I've worked in, I guess, video games for 10 years, I guess, I guess, you can add three years there. I was, I was at Fantasy League doing the uh, online fantasy football games and sports games. So it's not video games, but I guess it's gaming. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been a gamer like Sean really since I was uh, quite young. Started off on a Spectrum 48K, which was um, some of the best days of my life, I think. I remember playing on the, on the Spectrum for hours and hours. Um, so I've always had an interest in games. I didn't always work in games from, from the offset. When I left university, I did some uh, sort of... Um, you know, entry-level marketing jobs, work my way up. And I guess my first video games job would have been at Empire Interactive, um, which was great down in London um, for a number of years, working in marketing product as a product manager. Um, I've also worked at places like uh, Disney Interactive Studios, um, Bandai Namco Games, and uh, another indie studio called Wide Productions with Nordic Games. So I've... Uh, I've been I've been around a few different um, few different I guess areas of the of the video games industry, seen different sides to it. Working at a developer now, I've worked at publishers, you know, small publishers, big global sort of media brands, and and uh, and seen quite seen it from quite a few different angles, to be honest, and, and even quite a few changes, obviously, in the last ten years. So, um, but I've always worked in marketing. I've worked on some pretty you know, interesting, good, exciting games and. Fufu's the first job I've had where we were actually working at a developer studio, which obviously we're, we're uh, publishing as well now. But, um, yeah, so I've seen, I've seen the industry from quite a few different angles, really, over the years. But um, it's, all, uh, it's, all very, it's always very interesting and very fast-paced, as you know, I'm sure. So Yeah, yeah it doesn't uh, – it can't seem to lock it down, can you? You think, oh, it's going this way. Then it takes a violent 90-degree turn, which you'd never have in, in you know, in um, yeah. Mantis Bird. You'd like, you wouldn't do that. But the game industry seems to like doing that. At the moment, it's called loot boxes. Please stop. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, I can say that. You can be silent, uh, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just... it's, it's um, Yeah, I think it's an amazing, amazing time to be involved with games, regardless of their platform, I'm finding or type so it could be anything from um 
you know, uh, video games, traditional video games, and then you've got board games just going nuts, and then you've got role-playing games also going nuts, and it's just like, what's going on? It's, it's, it's very strange. But, uh, yeah, exciting times, and uh, we've both got a very storied history, so you can look at it objectively and sometimes smile but maybe shake your head as well. Um, <laughs> so... As creators, then, and this is to um, Sean with a U now, and also me, both of you actually. What the hell? Um, what does influences you as a creator? Obviously, the the obvious answer is mm. the games you play. So, right. Uh, I mean. A lot of people say they get inspiration from everything they see around them, but when it boils down to it, I think it's what. Um, when you've been playing games for as long as I I have, you've pretty much kind of seen every game there is. But um, I mean, I the, the first game that completely blew me away was Elite on the BBC Micro, um, the original Elite. And ever since then, I I, I kind of had this. I, I really want to make that game and. Um, Obviously, uh, David's done it a few times since, but um, every game, every game I play, um, I, I think you take something from it. And they say that there's, there isn't an original idea left, but um, people keep coming out with these games that seem to up the game, up the game, up the ante, and kind of blow me away. The, the last one for me was Firewatch. I keep on about it. I'm bored. Everybody to death. Vufu talking about it that changed the game again it's um, they, I don't know I can't put my finger on it but they they brought something else to, to the table again that I hadn't seen before so it's uh, it's such a really good one to pull out of the bag there I mean it's just like you know the, the other ones like Stanley Parable Papers Please um, all this you know uh, Papers Please for me is just insane like yes you're a board of Border Patrol sort of person, sort of stamping people's passports. Get out. <laughs> no one wants to play this. <laughs> and yet, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he, and now look at it. It's a, it's, it's, it's a seminal classic. Uh, and you're right, um, Firewatch is a very interesting concept uh, to say, I'm going to play the story. What? Just, just do it. Just play the story. Experience the story. But... But, but you know, realised that not only the environment is a character in the game, which is amazing, um, but in in a way of speaking, I think it's a character in the game. That's all you know when you're walking through that forest and exquisite, beautifully rendered forest. Um, it's it 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 makes an impact on you. You actually start to care about it. So uh, yeah. I think what I think what I liked about it the most was probably the thing that people that didn't like it like the least about it. it the fact that it was quite a mundane story it was there was no alien invasion there was no zombies there was no no it was just a kind of a story about a guy getting a job yeah <laughs> which, which if, you got, if you got to pitch that in a, a meeting room to a board of directors probably that's exactly what it is it's all about taking risks and yeah they, they would say was well, you got a cape no Exactly. Does, exactly. Yeah. Does exactly. he have a Does he have a gun? Uh, there's a flare gun. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> What's that for? Oh, we could use that. Well, he just uses it to alert someone about fire. Right. 
Yeah, it's the, you're right. I mean, that's what I love about these games when you describe them and pitch them to people. And like, I'm sorry, I'm not playing that. And, you know, going home, like gone home, going home to an empty house. What? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's... I played that entire game expecting something to jump out and it never did. But never that, did. Again, it never did. Exactly. There, were, there were some moments of moments in there that made you think oh I'm just going to get jumped you know going to get jumped on and it was wonderful up in the loft and that kind of stuff there's bits in there that you go you find secret passages in this house and like oh this is creepy and there's nothing there (laughs) no no you it's all in your head (laughs) what about you Sean with an E what do you think uh, you know you, you you do help with the creative process and of course you do uh, because you know without that there would be nothing to sell so what, what, what do you think influences you as someone that's part of the creation process now um, I mean from, I guess from my point of view I get inspired by I guess you know other other games more mark more from the marketing side really. I mean, I don't design games myself, so I'm more inspired by working on, you know, good games. Um, obviously, we're a small indie team, but we do we do punch you with our weight quite a lot. Actually, we've uh, we've had some pretty successful games, and you know, Sean drives the sort of game design side of things. And we, you're right, we all we all sort of input into that, but Sean drives it. From, so from my point of view, it's more sort of being inspired by creative ways to sort of sell that game and, and creative marketing ideas which you know we have to we have to be um we have to be creative as a, as a small indie team we don't have sort of massive budgets so we try and do things you know we, should, we try and um reach out to as many people as we can in as many different interesting ways as we can with within our means really so i'm, I'm inspired by other games but more from a kind of I guess marketing point of view and more from a um how can we you know how can we achieve or overachieve even in terms of our you know our marketing and our reach and our kind of sales really so um any particular titles that immediately um, spring to mind you think they come out from nowhere or they did everything right they they sort of pitched it just at the right point and uh anything in particular springs to mind that you've you've marveled at or think yeah that, that, that was the that's the way to do it yeah i mean there's gonna say rocket league there's, there's some obvious ones like rocket league you know which is yeah, those, those guys were clearly Top Gear fans. Just yeah, designed. I mean that was you know that was a it was a bit of a, obviously they I don't think they were particularly even even expecting that level of success, success themselves. So um, took them by a bit of surprise. But yeah, they've they've managed to harness it and really drive it now with licensing and and really you know expand that brand and and it's a, you know it's a massive 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 game, isn't it? Now? So um, just a very simple mechanic really as well, and it just took off and you know you. you uh, Got to applaud them for that. Really, it is it is about taking risks, and someone said, you know, especially for indie teams, um, we have to try and stand out. But um, yeah, Rocket League's an incredible success, really out of nowhere, isn't it? So um, there's other examples, I'm sure, but, but that's the sort of biggest, I guess, recently. Yeah, I think yeah. that that is something that, and it's the second the second bite of the apple. It's the same game they released previously, yeah. and everyone went, yeah, no one wants to play football with cars. Please go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, Perseverance, I think they, they got the marketing right as well. I think you know it was working yeah. with Sony and stuff, and they did. Uh, they've done the right thing at the right time, I think, and it's just blown up, hasn't it? It's just so so much fun. I think it's an example of a real social fun game which gets new content regularly, and then you just sort of drive. Yeah, I think I've got it on three platforms now. <laughs> it's just it's just the way it is. Like oh, PS4 and the PC, and I think. I can't remember. I might have an Xbox. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. 
But uh, it's a good answer, good response. So the next question really is related to the last one. In fact, all of them are related to each other. Well, maybe the fifth one isn't. But anyway, the next question is, um, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Developer. Hmm. Um, Good question. Yeah. I it think it changes. Yeah, it can oh, be. Yeah, I was, was going to say, it, 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 mine kind of changes. Um, I, I'm going to repeat myself and go back to Firewatch. I actually wrote the guys um, an email. <laughs> this sounds sad. I actually wrote the guys an email when I'd finished the game just to tell them how much it had blown me away. Uh, and obviously, it was their first game, so they very very nicely got back to me and we had a little bit of a chat together so there was no jobs going though which was unfortunate so uh, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, you yeah, know I'm loads I mean Valve you've got to take your hat off to them they, they were making some of my favourite games um, for the short period I was a PC gamer and Half-Life 2 was such a kind of massive game to me, and I'm still waiting for Half-Life 3, but you just have to admire what they've done with the industry. Yeah, you, I think... Um, um, you'd never believe that they'd almost turn their back on games and become just incredibly successful in a different area of, of game um, development. It's uh, incredible. Yeah, really. delivering games in the first place. Uh, yes. Very strange. Um, it, it, this is an odd story with Valve, but... You, can't ever imagine them going really back to game development now, right? But, um, no, it's a shame because they. <laughs> it's a terrible shame because they made some amazing things. I know, Paul, uh, Portal. Uh, Portal. Uh, I mean, just, jeez. <laughs> that game. That game. Yeah. just uh, Well, both of them were just astonishing. And Left 4 Dead was also excellent as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, the amount of fun I had with that game. Will you move? <laughs> But but the st- just move. We're gonna die. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, I've lost many friends on that game. Um, Sean Lee, what, what do you what do you think of your developers that uh, that pique your interest and think yeah they should carry on what they're doing? Um, don't know really. I, I guess again, probably like Sean, you know, I, I changes quite often if I see a sort of game that's done particularly well, particularly from indie studios. I think I'm always quite, you know. It's always quite nice to see when you see sort of indie studios, small studios with, you know, perhaps not much scope, maybe even smaller of ourselves or, you know, around our size who go on to do do pretty well and, you know, make make a go of it and, and sort of keep keep continuing to release and make games and employ people. That Even that in itself, there's, there's lots of studios like that who, you know, in the indie scene, which is continuing to grow and flourish and become actually probably quite crowded itself. So, um, yeah, I think it's... I always kind of look up to, as an indie studio ourselves, that's been around for 10 years, which is a pretty pretty good uh, sort of milestone, really, for a small studio like ourselves to, be, uh, to, to have been around and flourishing and growing, um, mm. you know, still after 10 years. is pretty pretty impressive, really. So I look to other studios, I guess, similar to ourselves and seeing what, trying to see, you know, trying to see what they're doing. And if they're, you know, if they're doing well, then, you know, kudos to them, really. I mean, it's, I guess it's easier for the bigger boys to spend lots of money and, maintain their triple a statuses but it can be tough for um tough for small studios so i, I always kind of think there's a lot a lot going for uh, in the indie scene still there's a lot of a uh, lot of good coming out of it and there's a lot of studios making a, a, a good fist of things really and releasing some really good games so 
Um, I think since um, since Vufu are, are, are branching out into publishing, I've personally spoken to a lot more um, smaller developers than have done for well ever, I guess. And it's really cool to see. I think when you're a small developer, you've seen, most of them are kind of starting out. Maybe the first game, you see a, a level of enthusiasm and, and passion for the products that you probably don't see so much to a huge AAA studio where you're kind of the guy that's making car bonnets or something. So it's it's really refreshing to to kind of get back down to your roots and see, see that, that there's still that passion for the industry. Um, I, I do marvel at these two now extreme ends of the industry where you have, like you say, yourselves in the indie department, indie sort of maybe 10, 15, 20 strong maximum kind of group of people. And then you have the vast horde armies of the hundreds, sometimes thousands of people involved with making games like, I don't know, Assassin's Creed Origins, for example. I was watching that the other day on a stream and like sitting there marveling and thought there must have been. Uh, maybe a hundred people just doing the textures. Yeah, easy. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah like, exactly. That's yeah. all they did. That's all they did, and uh, that and and it costs a lot of money to make these grand sweeping epics. Uh, and that's you know, and you could maybe uh, correlate to uh, in Hollywood in the nineteen fifties when they used to do these huge, huge sweeping historic sort of. They cost millions and millions of dollars, which was an astonishing amount of money back then uh, to make. And sometimes they struck out and sometimes they didn't. And uh, I think we're seeing a similar sort of thing in, in video games. But uh, but the, the middle ground seems to have been eroded um, quite. Look what happened to THQ. Um, you know, that was those, those the publishers that did that, that occupied that space said yeah that's not no one's interested <laughs> it's either amazing or that's interesting <laughs> yeah. well, there's, there's probably less sort of big games isn't there but those big yeah. games are, are sticking around longer aren't they and they're sort yeah. of becoming more you know games as a service type model where you know in, in, consumers are invested in games for longer and playing games for longer yeah so yeah. it's changed as you know the, the games industry as we know changes mm-hmm. week to week almost so um yeah. technology so it's um yeah, it's very different tables, even a few years ago, obviously. And uh, yeah. So, last question of the first half. Well done, you made it. <laughs> um, my favourite question, actually, because it gives me a hint. It doesn't, but I just think it gives me a hint about what you're working on next. Again, it probably doesn't, because most most of the time you're working on something completely different. But what are you both playing right now? What's what's distracting you from your day to day? Um, right, so I've really struggled to find a game just lately that I can get my yeah. teeth into. Yeah. I went through a phase of buying games and really enjoying them and playing them from start to finish and kind of 100% in them. And then I'll go through a phase where I'm buying games and I, I kind of just can't seem to get grabbed in the same way. Um, Currently, I'm playing Assassin's Creed, so you just mentioned it. And, okay, uh, how are you finding it? I saw the water effects on a bit of it, and like, how? How did they? It's, just, it's, it's, it's ridiculously, <laughs> it's ridiculously pretty. It's, uh, um, yeah, it's, it, it's okay. It's, it's um, okay. I hear the combat's different this time. You actually can fight. Is that right? From what I've seen. Yeah, I say I'm a massive Souls fan. I mean. 
I, I pumped hundreds and hundreds of hours into Souls games, and they've obviously looked at that and kind of gone with Souls combat, but without the difficulty. It's not in, well to me. It's not really worked. So I, I find that I find the combat a little bit clunky, if I'm honest. Oh, it's a shame. Uh, I find I, I can, I'm, I've been having an argument with some of the guys here at Luford. I I really don't like the camera in it. It's too manual. It's it's got no it's got no kind of intelligence or, or movement of its own. I just find myself controlling the camera as much as I'm controlling the character. It's a bit like patting your stomach and rubbing your head or whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but other games. A weird one for me recently was Mass, the, the latest Mass Effect. I, Okay. I got it on. I got it on because I was a big Mass Effect fan. I got it on launch day. Played it for a couple of days and put it down. I thought I just can't play this. It's what's that? What's gone wrong? Yeah. For whatever reason, I, I gave it like four or five months, and I went back to it. And obviously, there'd been several patches and updates during that time, and I, I, I lived it. I literally lived it. I, I think I'm ninety-seven percent complete of all doing everything in it so yeah it's weird it's uh, i don't know it's, that I think is it's impressive just, yeah yeah there's a lot to do there is a lot to do because i love the first three mass effects as well to the point where i even read some of the books which is most unlike me because fan fan fiction books are a bit ropey but um yeah it's uh I, I, I do have a copy myself, but I haven't delved into it because too many people whose opinions I respect have said, why? <laughs> why have you bought that? Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's it's tricky. It's tricky. But if you're having fun with it, knock yourself out. Yeah, you know, yeah the... I, don't, I don't know. We live in a weird, weird world where when a game comes out, it's not actually... Most games aren't finished. And... It's obviously that the reviewers get hold of them at that point, and I think developers occasionally shoot themselves in the foot by doing it because they'll they'll get an average score that's not particularly great, and yet they work a lot more on it and make it a, you know a far better game, but they don't really reap the rewards for it because the time's passed. But... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's exactly that. And in fact, I, I saw a wonderful. I'm not sure if it was genuine, but I hope it is. Remember a couple of years ago, Assassin's Creed, all the uh, facial models. There's a bug in it, and there was no face. And there was just eyes and mouths moving. It was quite yeah. horrific. Um, someone yeah. at Ubisoft actually went to a Halloween party dressed as that. <laughs> <laughs> and they were saying, "Either you're an exceptionally brave person." Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Hope none of the bosses turned up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I was, I was quite impressed with that. But uh, no, I mean, I, I am probably going to delve into Assassin's Creed. But I, my pile of shame, or as a friend of mine once called it, investment in the video game industry, <laughs> is, uh, is quite high. It's it's quite yeah. snow peaked. So I can actually rent it out to for for skiing if I wanted to. So um, it's a good place to be, I think. You know, you just delve into your back catalogue of games and like. So I'm I'm happy for a little bit, but I probably will eventually get it because I'm an Assassin's Creed fan. What about you, Sean? With the E, what are you distracting you at the moment? Um, well, my four-year-old mainly, so I distract him with with video games 
quite often. So when I turn the PS4 on now, I, I tend to have a four-year-old stuck to me. So I tend to play things that he likes, like, what is he playing? We play Battlefront quite a lot. All right. He's getting into Star Wars. He loves that. He plays He plays our games. He plays pool. He plays a bit of Mantle. Well, I'll say plays. He thinks he's playing. <laughs> he has a controller. Um, uh, we've got Mantis Burn. Uh, play a bit of FIFA. Rocket League, so Guitar Hero on of the weekend. So yeah, we play a bit of uh, things that he can kind of enjoy or enjoy watching me play at least. So nothing too scary because obviously he's full. Oh, of um, course, you got to be really careful, aren't you? I mean, I'm not saying. Yeah, you know, he's, all, he's always hanging around. Yeah. Put Resident Evil on. Have you? Uh, seen... So yeah, pretty ca- pretty casual for me, really nowadays. Yeah. I mean, I will I will go and buy you know the sort of some certain triple A's and stuff. Looking forward to certain things, but um. But, but yeah, I've got sort of a catalogue of games I kind of revisit and play socially, really, I guess. Hmm. That's good. Okay. I mean, there's the new Mario, Mario, Mario Odyssey, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I do want a Switch, actually. I would like a Switch. I think yeah. I really enjoy it. Oh, I've got Switches, haven't I? Yeah. We're making money. Yeah. Which would be great, man. Birds great on Switch. And yes. We say, yes. Mario Kart Rocket yeah. League. I think, uh, I think I'd really enjoy one if I could. Yeah, Skyrim's coming out as well, so uh, it's, it's, it's quite a thing. I did play that, actually, at, uh, at EGX Skyrim on the, on the Switch, and uh, I was playing again. Well, you can't quite, quite see as far as you can on a PC, but then again, that's the old PC Master Race nonsense, isn't it? Like, oh, it's not... Shut up. But uh, other than that, it was very actually very, very impressive to see it running on this like, small screen. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But, uh, right, well, that's the end of the first half. Well done, you made it. Uh, and now we go on to the second half where we delve deep into Mantis Bird Racing. Gents, the first question isn't really a question, it's a request. The quest the quest is, could you tell us yes. what is Mantis Burn Racing? Um Do you always go that one? I suppose I've had yeah, go on. Uh, so Mantis Burn Racing is a top down racing game. Um, kind of think micro machines, mashed, uh, pro am, all those kind of games brought up to date. With the, the graphics that Vufu have kind of become uh, renowned for, um, it's it looks arcadey. It's not it's not as arcadey as a lot of people think. It's all based on our real world physics engine that we used in our pool titles. So it's very much based in realism. So the, the vehicles have got weight. Um, they react to the the road surfaces how a real vehicle would. Um, it's got about a 25-hour single-player campaign. It's four-player, local split-screen, eight-player online. 
Um, it's got a, a vast upgrade system, around 200,000 different upgrade options. And we've added three DLCs. So there was a snowbound pack, which added, that was a free DLC that added a new environment, which was obviously snow and ice. Um, we added an elite vehicle pack, which are hover vehicles, which are fastest vehicles, but quite tricky to control. And then quite recently, we've added the battle car pack, which has added bombs and guns um, to the proceedings. So, that, that yeah, like, yeah, we were the we were the first um, sort of 4K native 4K game on PS4 Pro. We are full native 4K anti-aliasing HDR support today on, with the launch of the Xbox One X. It's coming to Nintendo Switch this year. So yeah. Um, very busy with Mantis Pose, doing really well. Couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> but it is a top-down racing title, which you're right, and I'm going to delve into this probably around now, is that it comes across, it looks, you know, uh, if you look at it, a glancing look, you go, oh, that's a nice arcade racing game. No. <laughs> it is a good game, but it's not an arcade racer. Uh, no, it's not. It's, it really isn't. It happens to be... A, a, a real sort of racing title, um, sim, racing sim, that happens to be viewed from above. In, yes. That's what I think. Um, yes. And what have you done to still have that sense of arcade racing spirit? Because it's there um, whilst maintaining the simulation aspect of the game. What do you think you've done in the design to to encourage people? Like, wait, I know you did badly in that race because you thought this was an arcade racer. It's not, but it's okay. <laughs> what what have you done to... Because I know what you've done, but I, I know the answer to this question because I, that's how I delve so deeply into the game. Why I've, why I've asked you on to be on the show. Otherwise, I wouldn't, you know, uh, because I just I'm, I love it. I really, really do. But I want you to, to explain. How did you come about that? How did you balance the two sort of approaches? So I guess, obviously, the fact that the handling is it's quite complex. It's the way it's set up. All the vehicles handle differently. Um, and all the, the upgrades have... Uh, immediate effect on what, what you went as soon as you change them you can feel the difference I guess kind of what you're getting at is the, the penalty for getting it wrong won't be as as crushing as, as maybe as, as like in a, a more of a sim racing game if you if you fell off the racing line and went onto the gravel then it can't be game over whereas the, the penalties when you all, all our tracks are kind of what we call ribbon tracks, so you can't generally stray too far from the, the straight and narrow. Um, you, can, you can break through scenery that has a slight effect on slowing you down, but you can always generally stay in the action as long as you don't go horrendously long, wrong and start going in the wrong direction or something. So you get the, you, you get the feel, the weight. Uh, I always wanted the player to have to learn how to play it rather than just kind of bounce off walls and just get round. But um, the, the AI as well, it's, uh, it's been balanced to as a gradual introduction when you first start playing, but it obviously gets quite tricky the further you go on. And there's also, it's, it's not really, there's 
if you, if you ever get to a race, some some racing games, you can get to a race where you you think there's absolutely no way I could ever beat them. There's no, there's never a situation like that in Mantis Burn because the upgrades are almost infinite. Right. So I'm not saying it's necessarily a grindy game, but you basically can't get stuck if mm. if, you, if you get enough upgrades, you can get to the point where every race is perfectly winnable. Um, tell me what you think. The uh, the reason it's uh, I'm intrigued. Um, I think it, the 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 trick is really um, you mentioned the weight and the senses the the. That's that's quite important. The, the the cars have a weight to them. They're not floating around unless they are the hover cars. Even actually, no, yeah, yeah. that's, that's a different physics. But um, but when it comes to sense of achievement, that's why I got from it. Because when I actually ran one, won my first race, that was like, oh, so this is how you play this game. <laughs> you know, uh, and I don't think there's any rubber banding going on either. It's just that once you get in that racing line and you're off. That's it. You, you, it's just you and the track, typically, uh, unless you pick up the trailers and you know, start right, tra- lapping. But that's very, very rare. You yeah. actually find yourself sort of hurling yourself around the track, but not really oh. hurling yourself around the track. Um, uh, yeah. you, you, you do have to uh, approach corners in a certain way. And uh, that, for me, is just the sense of reward is what I believe you've actually infused and taken from the arcade games because when you win a race in arcade games the reward is is actually proportionally wrong it's actually off kilter uh but you don't do that you do actually reward the player for winning but not to the point where they've you may as well walk away from the arcade machine because your work there is done um you you just you do reward them though Uh, and that's what i think you do you reward skill and practice and that's 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 where the simulation side comes in, but yeah. the reward itself is where the arcade stuff comes in. That's how yeah, I mean, see it. You may disagree, yeah, yeah. but that's how I see it. You're right. There, there is no rubber banding in the game. The, the only very very slight suggestion of rubber banding is through. Um, a, it's so subtle, nobody will know this. Um, but your boost um, gauge fills up. Slightly different percentages of what position you are in the on the in the field. So right. if you're at the back, your I think your boost fills up, but ten ten percent faster than the guy at the front. But you still have to do all the things that you you need to do to fill the boost up in, in the first place. You still have to use the boost at the correct times. So that's what we, I always even when we brought weapons into it, which I was. It was a it was a conversation we had right at the start of development of Mantis Burn. Should we have top down races are kind of traditionally linked with weapons, but I, I, I wanted it to be a racing game. And then when so many people were asking for weapons, uh, I said, okay, we'll do it. But one, if you still want to play it as a, a pure racing game, you can. And two, I don't want homing. Uh, shells, red shells, or or blue shells that take the guy at the front out, or anything like that. So that's why we we came up with the design for a very simple forward firing machine gun. So if you want to shoot the guy in front of you, you have to match their movements. You have to stick right behind them to get your your bullets to hit them. And at the same time, that the mines they 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 don't stick around forever. They uh, yeah. 
you know, you could be the, the added element of strategy too that, but without making it a bit of a, a, a free for all, uh, there's still that level of skill in it. So that was always the kind of mantra for the, the design of the game. Yeah, um, I was going to come on to the weapons now. Actually, I want to ask because this is a, it's an add-on. It was a DLC um, that uh, is available for all platforms, as far as I know. Uh, and like you say, it does. It brings combat into Mantis Burn Racing, which ultimately we've already described as a pretty much a simulation more than it is an arcade game. But um, how did you find uh, the difficulty of? Aiming weapons while trying to take corners at the right moment. Because that's the thing I find with weapons on cars is that you just can't aim. <laughs> so in what way? Is it from a, a, te- a text perspective or a design perspective? Or... I think uh, just a, a, from a design perspective more than a tech, it's just that the, the action, action of, of, well, I'm going to hit this corner, but there's a bloke right in front of me, so I'll just let loose with a machine gun. Oh, wait, no, now crash the car. So it's just that balance between how have you found designing that? I think it was just a case of keeping the weapons as simple as possible to to, to kind of to influence. the. Obviously, when, you, when you, you've got another thing to do, so it, it does uh, affect your ability to drive if you're doing, if you can't uh, dual task. Hmm. But... Um, but at the same time, that's it. Like I was saying, I didn't want homing missiles or anything like that. It wanted, I wanted it to, you know, if you, if you weren't comfortable about going into the next corner while you had your machine gun blazing, then don't use your machine gun. Get around the corner and, <laughs> and get them on the next straight. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, by all means, drop a drop a mine on the the apex of the corner so that the guy behind you's hitting the apex is perfectly gets blown up. So. It was always that we wanted that element of skill to remain in all areas. Um, from yeah, going to go back to to cornering now, and um, it's really fundamental, I believe, to mentis burn racing. If you can read corners before you even see them, because racing games, you have to see where you're going, not where you've been, or indeed where you are. You need to see where you're going. Uh, it does seems to follow quite closely the idea of slow in, fast out for the corners. Um, do you, is, is there any sort of take on, or did you experiment with looking at ways of breaking that and, and sort of giving reward to players who've been a little bit more creative with as they as they career around the track, or have you always focused on no? They've got they've got to, they've got to treat these corners with respect. Do you, mean, do you mean like artificial kind of yeah. drift, drift yeah. assists and that kind of thing? Like yeah. No, like, again, it goes back to the um, – we had this brilliant physics engine to base the game on. Um, so everything was kind of based around um, how a real car would react. So, yeah, fair enough. It's, it's, not, it's not a sim to the level of – um, project cars or anything like that because we, we, we all the way through development we called it fun physics um, so basically what, if there was anything that anything part of the handling that physics determined that didn't feel fun to play not necessarily taking the skill out of it but didn't feel fun to play 
then we kind of cut that out of the, the, the simulation. So it ended up being called Fun Physics. Um, I just played it for hundreds of hours until, <laughs> just, until I enjoyed it. And then hopefully if I enjoyed it, other people would as well. So. That's excellent. No, I, I knew the answer to that one. I mean, I, I just wanted to to, to emphasise the fact that, yes, you know, I just love the fact that you can see the corner from above. You can actually track your movement around. Rather than visualising it in your head while you're in the cockpit of the car, you can just see the car doing what, you, what it's supposed to do around the corner. I mean, probably, the hard, probably the hardest thing that you, you've not actually mentioned, the hardest thing probably through the entire development of Mantis Burn was getting the camera right. Because um, that, in essence, that dictates exactly what you're talking about. Um, it's showing enough of the track in front of the player so that they, they're not surprised by the next corner, but at the same time, not making it too rigid in that it makes you feel ill while you're playing it. Um, that, that was We actually launched on um, Early Access with a completely different camera system. And one of the... the Straight away, the feedback that we were getting was quite a lot of players were feeling ill while they were playing it. Um, so we, we rewrote the camera from the ground up um, based on the feedback that we had from early access. And immediately people said, yeah, that, that's great. And we put in originally three different camera options that, that they don't change. The, obviously, you know, they don't change the position of the camera. What they actually do is change how rigid the camera um, uh, maps your vehicle's movement. So a lot of people, we call it dynamic, so that all it is really is the camera moves less. But because the camera moves less, it looks like the car's moving more uh, mm. on the screen. So, yeah. We'll try, trial and error, experimentation. Yeah. So last question then. Um, and... It's, this one's about the single-player experience uh, that I've, 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 I value as a kind of a training thing almost, but not quite because there's way more to it than that. Of course there is, but this is what I got out of it. There's a lot to unlock there. You've already hinted at the different sort of upgrades you can have. And is, did, you, did you design it in a way to actually coax and teach the player how to get the most out of the game? Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, any good career mode kind of pushes pushes the player into areas uh, that, that you probably wouldn't normally go. So uh, we've always so most of Vufu's games have got kind of um, whether it be mini games or challenges are off the the beaten track from the main game, but. Um, I think you should always utilise every kind of feature that you've got in a game. And the best way of doing that is to, to kind of push the player around in the career. We did it with Paul. Um, so no, not, every, not every game in the career mode was a game of Paul. It was challenges and that kind of thing. And I, kept, I think we kept that, that way of thinking with a career. And it's obviously also to keep it fresh, though, so the player isn't doing the same thing over and over again. Um, we always, uh, obviously, you've, you've played it, so you know that, that you've you've got the the various routes through the career that you can take. So if you if you like a, a particular style of event better than another, then you can take take that route. Um, 
obviously, if you're a complete completionist, you do every event you can. So, yeah. I just really find it quite fascinating how that was all structured and how you did when you did certain things and you to get you know it's not just winning it's like if you did the drift of this length or you you went round the track at this point or you did a sector yes. really well and just rewarded for granular things rather than the getting to second place or first place or what have you. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. I found myself more than anything because most I'm terrible in games, uh, racing games. Is like halfway through and go, I'm not going to win this, am I? <laughs> so then I restart. Oh, so you just it, quit it, out, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with this, with Mantis, I'm like, no, I'll just carry on and do better cornering. Then just learn better cornering, and the next race I'll just get better and better, and and also unlocks more and more stuff because the more you play, the more experience points you get. It's just lovely. It's just really. It's encouraging, but not insulting. You know, there was that there was that fine line of, of dragging people through content. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like we made all this stuff. We want you to drag you through it, and uh, if you can't, if you can't, if you can't quite, you know, do it, um, then we're just going to push you through anyway. And rather than you haven't done that, you said, well, we have got a lot of content here. We've got a lot of, a lot of experience, but you're going to have to learn, and that's okay because it's not going to be, and it's going to be a fun experience to learn. And yeah, I think you, you, you sort of latched onto that quite well. Was that always oh, like always the so the focus for you, like you know, making sure that the player's experience isn't one of frustration? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, the last thing you want to do when you're playing a game is be frustrated. I know I'm, there's me saying I'm, I'm a big Souls fan, but at the same time, Souls balances frustration with amazing reward as well, so you kind of forgive it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you, you don't want to be frustrated as a player. Um, but uh, going back to what you said, yeah, I mean, the the mini challenges that you have in each race, it is to push the player, almost to give them a better understanding of how the game works. Mm. So if, I guess if you're just playing local races with friends or online, you might not realise that drafting a vehicle in front of you, getting into their slipstream, gives you the, the, the extra speed in which it does. So you add a challenge that highlights it for the player to actually purposely go out and do during a race. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it also allowed, it's also allowed me to do things like, because we wanted to use every event in the career. So obviously one of the events is time trial. So I was saying, well, in a time trial, what, what about, what if the player beats the time on the first lap? Why, why are they going to be bothered about doing the, the, the other two laps because time trials always three laps so what we did is made one of the challenges for every time trial as a, a race time so if you wanted those extra gears at the end you had to complete the whole race to get it under the time um, to get the the, the, the race time mm. yeah. So, yeah, it's good for the player but it's also good from a design point of view as well so. mm. well that's it Last question. Well done to you both. I've said that many times now, but uh, you've been great, both of you, to sharing your experiences and talking about the intricacies of designing Mantis Burn Racing. Um, just to remind, remind us all, what, 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 what platforms is it out on? It's Windows, PC, and... PS4, uh, Xbox, and it's coming to Switch soon this year, we hope. Yeah. I've personally been playing it mostly on the PC, but... Um, I actually have it on my main television screen, so I've got a link box. So I was just been playing it with my Steam controller, which worked very well, by the way. 
So um, I just found the PC version. It's it seems to be um, I just the, the, the default one I had on my machine. So I just been it's fantastic. It really really is. But no, like I said, regardless of platform, um, and like I said, coming out on Switch, it's quite quite an achievement considering how much particles and dust and things are flying around. Uh, and it, it's it's, yeah. it's quite a thing. That must have been quite a challenge for you to get get yeah. that onto such a such a well it's slightly less horsepower to it. All, all my all, all my de- design documents were written at sixty frames a second, so uh, that's been a headache for the uh, the, des- the uh, engineers to get it working on Switch. But we got there in the end. I, I don't know if you know uh, you played it at the uh, EGX. We I had, did, yeah. I think we were telling we were telling people there that we had a, a an option in the settings to either fix it to thirty or have a variable frame rate. Well, we've we managed to take that out completely, so we've. we've we're solid at sixty now, so. Wow. Yeah, we're pleased with that. That's optimization times ten, isn't it? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, like I said, thank you very much, gents, for for coming on. We welcome welcome to come back on the show, and to talk about whatever next project you got lined up. But uh, in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks thank for you. your time. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review and you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at Chris at spong.com Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show which is the stablemate podcast, should we say of spong.com Bye!